Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and it is the 21st of December 2006 and how this year has flown in and so much has happened but things are speeding up now as we go into a new era the 21st century was kicked off with a bang and we know that uh, many books have been published by those up in the know concerning the 21st century and where they would take us and by God have they taken us there so far even starting with 2001 the real beginning of the 21st century and in a sense that's why Arthur C. Clarke's movie was put out called 2001 back in the 1960s to be a celebration of that which was to come and in the movie they go through a space journey they show their, their religion of course based on evolution through species it's all at the beginning of the movie and in the book until you have humans who are traveling in space who are now up against their next big challenge which is artificial intelligence where the computer HAL takes over and starts killing off the crew and the one male who overcomes HAL becomes a god because that's the mystery religion all tied up in a story form and they could have put, a, put the same story out at sea or on the earth somewhere but they put it in space but it's the same esoteric meaning behind it where he who overcomes all including the grand architect himself becomes God the 21st century also is to be a time of complete reorganization of a, a whole way of living all that was in high pre-masonry must perish, be destroyed, to, uh, torn down, demolished to make way for that which is new the new age and just like in the olden times when they would build cathedrals next to existing churches they would be dismantling the old churches they built the new right next to it a traditional method of the mystery religion and they're really referring to not only the physical world but also in the spiritual world and in their religion based on a form of evolution and interbreeding, special breeding, specialized selective breeding Charles Darwin did not originate uh, a theory of the origin of species he simply reiterated what his father had already done and his grandfather before him in their publications because it was the, it's a religion of the esoteric higher Freemasonry not the little stuff at the bottom that people join in the Blue Lodge the blue <clears throat> stands for the open sky all that is seen for the profane of intelligence is blue, the blue sky however the, the real work is done in the dark and the light that shines within the darkness are the luminaries who guide our cultures the planet and the future there's also the higher lodges too coming out of there with their, their different colors of, of purple that's royalty the dawn is purple, the purple dawn and then you have the red lodge of course which is revolutionary lodges always have been and he who changes the world and gives his life for the world streaks across the sky gives brilliant white light and turning gradually to, to red shedding the blood, the life of the world 
or for the world. And this is a standard mystery religion, which most religions, the exoteric, are based upon. We have been guided for thousands of years, and definitely from the, the, the inception of some definition of wealth. Most natural tribes don't even have terms for wealth or, or personal possessions even. Because they live naturally, they didn't live in a, an acquiring economic system where the goods themselves have importance. And money is the key of all domination. It doesn't matter what it's called or what's used for money, as long as a few people at the top have the right to say what it is, how much it's worth, and how much you will be taxed back, because that's your labor going back in taxes. The upper crust then use those taxes to have standing armies and police forces and bureaucracies to dominate you. So money makes this world go around indeed. interesting to see some of the emails which come in concerning people's views and one person wrote recently that he didn't quite agree with my take on money and, and I think he was pushing the usual thing a novice learns about the gold and silver from the patriot movement and how it's lawful currency and that's the stage there, this, this particular last person who emailed was stuck at he doesn't realize that the same people who run the system today with paper money and IOUs and all the rest of it, regardless of the Bretton Woods agreement and all the other agreements they went through, um, still, they ran the gold standard too, they still do. They own the gold mines, in fact. So to go back to the lawful money, you get the same bunch in charge and it just wears up your pockets faster. There's quite a weight in that lawful money. And they again will tell you what it's worth, you see. People who still think that the, the government can take control of the corrupt money supply in the system by following the laws that were laid down or really haven't got it at all. They haven't understood what's going on. Because the exoteric, even the constitution of any country, is the exoteric. It's for the public consumption of how things are supposed to be and never is and never was for those who want to know how the system works go beyond Bretton Woods go into the 1800s and see the big boys crash the gold standard three times in the late 1800s raking millions and millions of dollars in the US alone by doing so three depressions in the, in the latter part of the 1800s. And they were brought on by three bankers who planned it that way. And it doesn't matter what you're using as long as they're, as they're in charge of it. 
as long as they put up a debt system, floating a big casino called the debt system, this casino of stocks and bonds where people buy your debt and want a profit from the debt. Guaranteed to them by governments if they buy this debt. It's a, a big casino which is totally rigged. And who owned all the gold, uh, the gold mines in the 1700s, 1800s, 20th century, 21st century? It's the same people. Look who put Cecil Rhodes in, in Africa to take over the diamond and gold mines, to find them all and claim them and stake them. It's the same people. And these are the same people who now issue checks to governments to print money and then demand real wealth back in return. Money has always been a con from the inception of it, because it's not a real worth good. It's a substitute for everything else. You must believe in a substitute. In fact, you must believe that it's more important than food or anything else that you could barter. And once you believe that, you've had it. Whether it's porcupine quills, seashells, Quartz stones, gold, silver, or tin, it doesn't matter because you don't have a say in, in how much the value is. Remember, value is only an idea. The price of something is an idea. And we're brought up in this system never questioning all of these ideas. We think they're real and concrete somehow, as though it's natural. If a completely different society had been designed for the people, the people would grow up into it thinking it was quite natural. You see, that has always been this way. The children growing up today and getting put into kindergarten today are being conditioned already for brain chips in their own lifetime, which they will look forward to because the PR to sell the idea to them is going to promise them all the other, all the beautiful things in the world, all the fantastic powers and, and joys and, and experiences. And if, if we haven't learned that we've always been lied to by the elite, uh, then we'll never learn anything at all. In the 1960s, the futurist think tanks were putting out massive propaganda because at that time, the income taxes started to really escalate as government began to duplicate and, and triplicate bureaucracies, tier upon tier upon tier of bureaucracies. So to tell the public why it was happening and to, give, and to promise them a rosy future, you see, at the end of it all, they said that all this money was going to create a, a system where we'd, we'd, very few people would have to work. It would be a privilege to have a job to serve the people. And they even had sketchings all done in newspapers about this massive publicity stunt by the big futurist think tanks employed by the elite. And they said we were walking around with Roman togas and, and just sort of floating all over the place discussing philosophy and and passing time, and, and how we'd have to find new ways to pass the time. We'd be so bored, you see. Well, that, that hasn't happened. If anything, yeah, the taxes all went up to, to work towards this system, but we didn't see the, the end result. We didn't see the, any income from it for the public. We see the system of totalitarianism being set up. We've seen massive police organizations being set up. We have seen... Children's aids uh, become basically an army, another arm of government, a huge army with all its rules, regulations, which they don't have to pass into law. They just write it themselves and it becomes law. It's quite amazing to watch this totalitarian system using our money, our, our labor, really, because we wouldn't work for anything except the money uh, that we've been taught to accept, to work for. It's amazing to watch it all come to pass. We buy our chains. We make and buy our chains ourselves. And all the time we're being told it's for our own good, or it's for a happy future, or it's for the children, and on and on it goes. 
with last night's talk I mentioned the brain chip and where that really is meant to go which is total control there'll be no free thought and no individuality at all in fact you won't even be an individual sentient creature you'll just be a, something which is programmed on a daily basis a far cry from this Roman toga stuff floating around discussing philosophy as they told us as they raked in all the cash and jacked up all the taxes back from the 60s onwards but money is the key to everything he who has the gold makes the rules now it's just the checkbook and the right to issue those checks and we have never been told and never will be told why a couple of handfuls of these families have the right to decide for the rest of us what money is or what it's worth we watch land being taken over across the planet that were first put into the governments first put into national parks if you notice at the end of every year though the governments will announce how many hundreds of national parks they've created that year then all this gets given off to the big bankers or the United Nations for debt relief as a swap land for you know remember the old oil for foods is con game that uh, we saw who raked in the money there at the top of the United Nations who's still there by the way because they're pirates at the top um, it was the same thing with land for debt swap that's what's been happening for years now biospheres, UN biospheres and the United Nations was brought into being without a single vote of any citizen of any country outside of the little high Masonic cliques that formed the governments of each country the public were never asked for any input the politicians never asked for the right to do so it was just done that's democracy for you because democracy has never existed on the exoteric level and never will exist on the exoteric level but for donkey's years on shortwave and other US stations there were authorized patriot stations going on about all this stuff decade after decade after decade and always being funded by gold and silver and selling gold and silver without telling the people the rest of the story as to who owns the mines who sets the price of gold see the Rothschilds always set the price of gold every morning and because something is declared lawful money means nothing at all because what is law? law is, a, is a, an instant rule given out by a superior there is no vote taken again with by any citizen whether a law should be passed or not and there is no input from any citizen as to how a system should be set up and run doesn't work that way in ancient times in the Middle East they counted their slaves they had a head count and we have words which come from that count many is one money is from that they're the same root mon was man money because it's the output of labor that creates anything real in this world labor is the only thing which does it Karl Marx was, did it right because he was taught by the bankers themselves who were the only ones who understood economics
with those who control money and who have gotten peoples to accept that money is a natural thing, which is most people on the planet today, not wasn't always that way. It comes another parallel idea of theirs. It's called progress. Now, progress can never be allowed to happen willy-nilly or by mayhem or chance. Power always looks towards the maintenance of itself down through time. So all big changes which come along are planned that way. The direction you grew up in and, and lived through in your life and your parents before you and then your children after you, all of that's directed very carefully by those in combination with those who have money, the powerful, the elite, the old families. They direct the direction of the world. And the major wars in the world are all planned that way. They're necessary to get a change in direction and to amalgamate countries and nations into blocks which then become united into bigger blocks and empires which then are united into a global society run by a few. And the few are the elite in every country, every nation. They're all part of the club. Anyone who refuses to join is simply bombed out of existence under some pretext or another. War is an extension of business. Every war is an economic war. And it also is a takeover, a business takeover by force, but it's just business. And under all the guise of glory and patriotism and justice, all the superficial camouflage is meant to get the public on board, as pirates would have you say. Very common term today. All that's just meant to, to con you. And most people are conned very easily because the elite have archives of knowledge going back many thousands of years. And when you want the public to go along with anything at all, any direction change, whatever, any moral change, whatever, is just a matter of looking up the right mathematical sequence, the formula. And if you introduce the formula as it's been introduced before, and if it worked before in society, as the ancients, including Plato, said, it can be done again whenever they want to, down through time. Just formulas. And so they use tribal instincts in time of war to goad us into fighting their wars for them, their business takeovers, their projects, their well-laid-out plans. There were writers in the 1800s writing about the future wars to come, which were necessary to get a world empire underway. And they knew how, who they'd have to take on. They, they also knew the countries which could be bought off and brought under the wing by simply paying off the, the established elite in those countries. But they also knew, knew that there were other countries which couldn't be so easily bought off. And they have no hesitation about... Uh, creating the circumstances for war. Sometimes they had to agree between the elite of two countries to have the war because although they would be on board in either country, the populations wouldn't be. So the wars were really to convince the populations that change was necessary to get them out of their old way of living into a new way, an amalgamated new way. We are run scientifically. Nothing is left to chance. Anything that was left to chance could run amok and have a, a roller coaster effect which couldn't be controlled. So every major event on the planet has to be run that way, organized and planned and carried out that way. 
some authors have tried to, to warn us, a very few, and they were persecuted, the ones who tried to warn us. I've said many times that those who come out of the FBI or CIA or MI6 or whatever and just blithely go on TV and radio shows discussing everything or talking all wet because you, you cannot do that. They've all signed an official Secrets Act which generally continues for 30 years after they retire. And they know the consequences if they break the rules. And the best, well, apart from Kelly, who was killed in England, the best example we have is, is Peter Wright, who wrote Spycatcher, because Maggie Thatcher had him up in court, the High Court of London, the highest court in the land. And she seized the second book they put out, the A to Z of spy catching. But in the first book, which was which did get out there, and he was charged for that too, he gave you all the clues you needed. He couldn't say that any more clearly without really being uh, put up against a, a wall and shot with a blindfold on. He tells you he worked inside MI5 and worked with MI6. And during the 60s, when some major British agents defected to Russia, which no one has come out and told us why so far. It's, I, know, I know why. But he, he clued in to who was doing it. And at the end of the night in MI5, two boxes were prepared. One went, these steel boxes with information on top intelligence, one went to royalty, to the Queen. And one went to the head of all British security. And the one main suspect, who was the head of the British security at the end of Peter Wright's term in MI5, was the main suspect. And that was Victor Rothschild of the banking family. There's a book called The Fifth Man. Very interesting read. But Wright in his book Spycatcher, tells you so much about the Rothschilds. And what, what Wright was cluing in on was there was another group above the Soviets and above MI5 running both sides. And that's when he dawned, he dawned that the whole thing was a con game and even those involved in the lower levels, and he, he classed MI5 as one of the lower levels. They had to believe it was real. The agents themselves, those in the Cold War, had to believe it was all real, just as the KGB agents in Russia had to believe it was real. It, it's amazing to see how we're all manipulated from a capstone. And when you're on one side of the pyramid, you don't see the other sides. You don't see them. Wars have to be real to those who fight them. So they have real blood, real disaster, real slaughter, which convinces those who survive that all the changes that come out of the wars, well, it's necessary, we can't have that again. Conflict. Progress, as it's defined, is the outcome of conflict. In the mystery religion, they used the seasons to describe the whole, the one. The one year consisted of seasons, which were opposites. So you had summer for heat and winter for cold. You had spring for birth and, and fall or autumn for the death, the dying. And yet out of all of the conflicts comes the next year and the next, the next, the next. An ongoing process of continued ongoing creation. For every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. If you understand the sciences of it and the Hegelian dialectic of it, and you've studied Nietzsche and others, you'll understand the religion a lot better.
and how it works, and then it makes sense to you how the dialectic process works, and how the world is steered and guided down through time to a predetermined goal. It's fascinating to me to watch those who break through the religion and glimpse the otherness of all of this and some of them have a hard time too breaking away from religion saying well my goodness revelations predicted the mark of the beast and how no one could buy or sell without the mark how could that have been done it's supernatural that that's how these revelations came really when a system had been on the go already for thousands of years an intense mystery religion it was no big deal to have someone write down when revelations was eventually put out there and that's debatable when it was put out there actually I think the Vatican didn't add it in until about uh, AD 500 or even later and it was taken out after that and put back in again and updated However, that's how you con whole people, whole peoples into, well, there's nothing you can do because, you see, big Yahweh planned it that way. It's God's plan. It's very easy to plan a future when you understand you've already got a good part of the world under your thumb when you control the money because money creates this type of society you will live in the totality of that society it then runs all the power structures underneath you to control that society and it controls everybody within that society and you can hire standing armies which you couldn't have before if there was no money the boys would all go home when they were bored and with the standing armies you can conquer other countries and rob them too and force them to use the same moneyed system. And as I say, it doesn't matter what the money happens to be. Power dictates what it is going to be. We fail to realize how artificial our system is. It's completely artificial. We don't even know what normal was anymore. It's so far removed from it. We have no records of normalcy. We can watch so-called primitive tribes, those that still survive in little isolated places in, in Borneo or, or the Amazon, who are totally self-sufficient and who don't need anybody, anybody's system to help them out. The world could fall apart tomorrow as far as the financial system goes and they would carry on like every other day. They wouldn't lack for anything since they, they, didn't, they weren't dependent on anything outside of what they could make themselves or gather themselves. Yet we have been told they're primitive, prime, prime. And we are advanced, supposedly. We are civilized. We are totally dependent on a system. The word now is interdependent. And they want us right down into more interdependency, right down to the personal level, not just national levels or regional levels, but personal levels. So we cannot survive in any area outside of their system. That will come down to your garden and what you grow to eat. That will be antisocial in the very near future we've watched them take over and create the artificial system to warm your houses and oil and electricity and the con games have pulled there and I watched this growing up in the UK where we started off with coal that was traditional since most of the population were down the mines before I was born to, to keep the big industries going it was everything was fueled by coal and even the ships were fueled by coal for the war machines the battleships when Britain ruled the world 
And so coal was plentiful, although it was still expensive for the guy who dug it from the under the ground, the miner. And then the, the governments came in and says, we're, we're going to make it more improved. We're going to put in coke, which is like sucked out coal. They suck all the stuff out of it and give you this dried out cinder back. And all the fireplaces throughout Britain had to be remade by the taxpayer. And sometimes you'd cash, put in cash as well on a personal level to these special fireplaces inserted to burn the coke, which burned differently from coal. And how much cheaper it was going to be? Well, and it came, and it was about one and a half times more expensive per ton. And you went through more of it because it did a, it gave off a nice glow, mind you, but didn't give any flames off. And you need a special huge thing, like a massive hair dryer made out of steel, but sat in a stand to, to get the thing going. This was the new improved one. And then they, after about five years of this farce, this, and, and big companies that are all Masonic companies, that's how governments give out their contracts. You see, it's big Masonic contractors who get the, these big jobs right down to your local level for putting the tarmac on the road. It's all Masons. Uh, big companies came along and said, well, we can make it even better. We can give you gas. You know, um, no, before that was electricity. Electricity was going to be so cheap with all the nuclear plants. And then, sure, sure enough, uh, everybody said, well, gee, yeah, they're giving us these prices. It's going to be cheaper. So everybody converted to electric heating. And, and we're told to get off-peak electric heating. So you had these big things in your living rooms, about six feet long, these big boxes, tin boxes filled with water uh, or oil. And they had bricks in them to, to, to maintain and hold heat. So it would heat up during the night, and hopefully it would give off a a little bit of warmth all through the day. That was your off-peak. Until that doubled in price after about three or four or five years after it was installed. Then we went to the next move, which was going to be um, natural gas. So once again, everything stripped out once again. Nationwide, this is almost every house on government decisions. And in came the natural gas. And boom, up went the prices again once it was in. We always seem to fall for the same line. We believe these guys. And we get, we get you know what, every time. And now the same farce has been going on through North America. We watch the same farce here, what's going to be the next fuel and what's better and better. But the fact is they've got us all off wood, almost, and coal, which is plentiful in the coal-bearing areas, until we're on their system of oil, gas, and they're trying to pass laws so you can't burn wood fires anymore because your little wood fire is polluting the earth. However, what's amazing is that there's a lack of consistency in their arguments because when the governments change the laws for, for the forestry departments who used to put out fires in forests, Two or three years ago, the new law is for them to set fires, which are good, apparently. When, when they set fires and have whole forests blazing, which is supposed to be undergrowth, it always gets out of hand. And we see that through British Columbia and different places. But that's the new policy. Overnight, they change the law. You, you don't stop fires. You start fires if you work for the Ministry of Forestry. So you, you see these thousands of acres going up in smoke, black smoke, but the government, when it does it, when the government does it, it's good smoke. When your little chimney does it to keep yourself, that's bad smoke. And this is what they try to give us as logic. You see, when there's no logic there, there's another reason. Always. 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 They don't want you independent in any area of living whatsoever. Being independent makes you a little bit, well... You don't want to go along with everything all the time. You, you get used to having a little bit of independence in particular areas. And, the, and that makes you a problem. You want everyone to be passive and go along and do what you're told and never complain and just plead all the time for whatever you need. Just plead to your local politician or whoever. Plead like good little slaves should do. And as the ancients said in Greece, 
The higher the civilization which becomes dependent on the system it has created, the easier it is to destroy it, to make it fall. We have seen glimpses of this when we saw the ice storm in, in Quebec a few years ago, where places in parts of Montreal came to a total standstill, power lines all came down, many people were heated by electricity only. And thousands of generators were donated by the public and everybody kicked in and food and everything was sent. And yet only 50 years before that, if that happened, they'd have been quite able to survive themselves. Because at that time, most of them still burned wood and could keep themselves afloat and alive through uh, an ice storm. Not anymore. So being interdependent makes you more prone to when a crisis occurs, you'll be down on your knees pleading for help. A hopeless case. And most folk, when the good times, when their good times are rolling, don't mind this at all. The conditioned consumer out there. They can just rush back and forth between different shops and buy, buy, buy. Credit cards galore as though there's no tomorrow. Because they have no memory of not so long ago when you couldn't get a credit card without collateral to back it up. Today they're thrown at you to get everybody enslaved into a system which they have no control over. And also used to just getting whatever they want when they, when they want it. Not so much need it, but when they want it. And if it came to the crunch, they'd be helpless in any natural survival situation. Cities are at the mercy of the system. And that is why the biggest proponents of the system are those who live in cities. They will stand up for that system as long as that system is taking extra care of them. The history of cities, which are called the beehives, according to Plato, where they would create an unnatural system and then use those people within that unnatural system to control the rest of the world, has been going on for a long, long time. Ancient Rome didn't just fall with the, the various Vandals and the Goths and Visigoths and etc., etc., plundering them. There was also a massive uprising by the rural people who were being taxed out of existence to pay for the luxuries of those within Rome and all the, the publicly funded events, the daily events like bread and circuses to keep them all happy as they went down the tubes in their perversions and deviances. The rural folk had had enough, and that's not the first time that's happened in empires and histories. Today, the cities and the city-states release a new form of city-state we have. A few years ago, the United Nations declared the creation of super-cities these massive amalgamated cities which would be the new city-states. And sure enough, in the provinces, which are just states and 
in Canada, uh, were taxed mainly to pay for all those who live in the cities and all the things they need in the cities and all their infrastructure and all their massive sewage, sewage, uh, sewer systems and, and water supplies and filtrations that they have to keep updating all the time. They can't pay for it themselves because they're paying so much money in taxes in cities already for all the other things they really don't need like new government buildings and etc and statues and events so they have to tax all the rural people to pay for it all in the last week or two there have been articles in the newspapers in Canada which is staged again the articles are staged at the right time and spoken by the right people but they're about the new poverty in the rural areas because of the high cost of living and taxations and also over the many years they've been closing down little hospitals from the 1980s onwards all the small hospitals that used to service rural areas have been closed quietly down and Canada Bob Ray was in Ontario when he started doing it he led, kicked off the ball to start that for Ontario this great hero of the working poor who's now running for the Liberal candidate for the head of that but he would wear any stripe he was told to they want everyone into the cities because the cities are the new habitat areas the new up and coming slums for everyone to be crammed into for this beautiful new world order where you're observed, controlled and so on it's very much like Hong Kong parts of Hong Kong they, they had high rises and they had all these shacks built on top for the, they were, the poor were living on the top they were the, and they're always being burned out because of the shanty towns that they had on top of these big high rises squeezed together like sardines China has put up massive cities massive cities for the for industries to be populated by the rising middle classes and the management system and the rural areas there are being squeezed like crazy too and put under same old story always they say that one thing that we do which makes us different from other creatures is that we use tools now other, some other creatures do use tools as well however we certainly need them to survive on the planet yet progress has been defined now not so much that we use tools but we must adapt to the tools themselves, the tools that we make, the, the creation that we make, the creature or creation we make, must now dominate us. We must adapt to it. That's a, an interesting twist on it. And who says we must? Why must we? Well, we must because the elite have planned it that way. Because we will become more efficient tools the tools for them that's why we must adapt to the other tools we are tools we will become perfect tools to be used as we always have been that's our function according to delete those who have no minds of their own and no awareness of reality of their own are simply there to be used by those who understand that's part of their system always has been it's very much like General Albert Pike when he mentioned that it was not necessary that the lower orders of Masons understand the signs and symbols they would see during their rituals their low down degrees it was only necessary that they think they understood the meanings of them 
But we are being asked now, not asked, we're being told we're going to, and gradually coerced until we think it's all natural, that implants in our bodies are simply a, a natural part of this evolution, this great religion of evolution, which is an exoteric for the public and an esoteric for the elite. Really based on Hinduism, where we come out the slime and just devolve bit by bit by some unified intelligence. What's well, funny that other ones have evolved along with them but haven't the intelligence, isn't it? The reason that awareness is not present so much today is through massive, massive scientific indoctrination and massive propaganda. The television has been the greatest tool. We have the Ra Dio, you know, the, the god of Ra, you know. And Ter Levi Zion. Great tools. The trick of the elect, electric. Which has worked wonders on the minds of, of Joe Blow. There are some excellent books out there and studies that have been done, mainly in the 60s and 70s, on the effects of television on youngsters. Psychologists were observing this very closely. To see the, the, the zombie look on the children as their, as their mouth drops open and they stare at this thing for ages and, and emulate what they see without thinking about it. All these studies were done and many books were published at the time. Now they don't put so much out because that part was really a learning experience and observing experience for the elite themselves. That's why these studies were done, to see if they were working well, and what they could, how, how they could even further the techniques of indoctrinations. A tremendous tool, tremendous power when television became the babysitter and you become the passive observer being downloaded. Tremendous sciences that were well understood before they were presented to the public. In Britain, in the 50s, when many people couldn't afford televisions, the late 50s, they started dumping on the market, bringing shiploads in from the United States, and which were reconditioned and going cheap because they wanted a TV in every home, just like a computer in every home today. Never for our benefit, but for their benefit. And the company that, that was putting them out across the country was called DER. DER, which is red backwards, of course, for the revolutionary part. And sure enough, we started getting the first reruns of older American TV shows. Law and order type things. Courtroom dramas. Perry Mason. Mason. Perry Mason. <laughs> the Lawyer series. Mm -hmm. And in hospitals, which would then indoctrinate us that injections were good and put yourself in their hands because they know what they're doing and and you can't question medicine. It's a, an ongoing perfect science and, and they could direct our, our lives for us. It's all part of the propaganda. Law, courtroom dramas and hospital dramas. That's how we're indoctrinated. Add in a little human interest thing that, that sucks us into the story and we, we forget we're being downloaded with propaganda. And as the, this particular time progresses that we're living in, the speeding up process towards their goal, which is a window of opportunity, as Mr. Rockefeller said himself. A window, remember, can close. And so they must always stay on their target time, their dates. Or they start to lose control. Everything is coordinated. The public opinion 
the indoctrination of the public? Are the are the are the polls showing we're all on board for this? Are we on track for that? And that's the technique that's been used on us. Always, but we're, but everything meshes so perfectly together that if one thing's out at any particular time, that window can slam shut. And so you see the need for them. You can see that it's not a panic, but it's definitely the, the big iron. The, the velvet glove is off the fist. And that's what we're seeing today. With uh, the police forces, militaries, all getting ready to control public crowds, mobs, in case there's some kind of riot because of whatever, who knows what they've got planned. But that's all part of this process. Everything must come off on the dates that they have ready for them coming off. Or they might start losing control. And all the speeches that will be given to the public for every possible scenario, which will be given over radio and television, have already been written for every possible scenario. Most won't ever be used, but they've covered every base. Because every move on the chessboard is planned before we even see the chessboard. That's how power keeps control of itself and keeps a hold over you. We must always be aware of this system and how perfected it is. Thousands of think tanks are employed on a daily, ongoing, full-time, yearly basis going over everything that could go wrong with this agenda, this plan, and ways to counteract it. All possible scenarios, like a battle that's never taken place yet, are gone over. All reactions are gone over to make sure they never lose control. That's And, and that's not a big deal when you control all the money. Money's nothing. They make it out of thin air. It's not hard to do when you control the whole system and you have everyone's energy taken from them and put into a thing called money. Now on a brighter note to end this particular little spontaneous talk, which didn't quite go into spontaneous combustion, the weather has been amazing for the last week or so. The snow vanished after about a week of rain. There was fog every day. And I hear it's the same in Sweden right now, so I guess the Northern Hemisphere is getting the same weather pretty well. And I'm sure if they give us a real whack of cold to follow, the media can go into action with its what's happening to the weather conversation type thing that they get into. They started that big time last year to get us all thinking about the effects of global warming. But they'll never mention the constant aerial spraying that's going on every single day and night, and which anyone with the, who wants to can look up and see. It never ceases. But at least the weather has given some of us a chance to get more wood in. And the ground has frozen sufficiently after all the rain to at least keep it kind of firm. Tomorrow night, I think I'll talk a little bit about Christmas, a little bit about the mystery religion behind it, and also some of the truths contained within the mystery religion, because there are always truths in everything, as long as, as well as many lies. So for me, it's good night, and may your God. And sunny days, maybe, go with you. When this whole world starts getting me down And people are just too much for me to face I climb way up to the top of the stairs And all my cares just drift right into space
noise down in the street.